is giving you issues. Part of the reason why you do feel troubled is the conviction of God. And you know, as Christians, we shouldn't be at ease doing things that are wrong. We shouldn't be at ease straying into sin. We shouldn't be at ease with, with doing what the Bible tells us not to do. And John, and it's in, in 1 John, we see the, the complex nature of this, of, of, of knowing that we're freely accepted and forgiven in Christ, but also of the need to walk in the light and to walk in the sense of a changed life. If you feel convicted over sin, I want to encourage you, run towards God, not from him. On those times when your heart feels far from God, God's desire is that you feel at rest before him. The offer is there of grace and mercy. The offer is there of forgiveness of sin in your life realize that if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us never let your sin make you run from God let your sin cause you to run back to him it's such an important thing it's such an important thing and I just know that there are some of us sometimes we feel like how could God forgive me because of what I've done Friends, it's all about grace and it's all about God's mercy. And there is forgiveness in the name of Jesus. You know, this passage here talks about those who belong to the truth. We understand that we belong to the truth because of what Christ has done to us. We understand that. And our hearts are confirmed in it by the presence of the love of God in our hearts. Friends, if you love and serve Jesus, you will become like him. If you know and embrace the love of God, then we know what it is to love others. And Beck spoke very powerfully last week about the need that we have as Christians to love one another. Let me read that verse to you again, verse 18. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and we set, how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Even when we see our failings, we can know that we belong to the truth, that we can have peace. Even when we see that we do things wrong, even when we know the the, the junk that's in our heart, God knows our heart even more. And you know, God is able to use us, not just when we get it right. God is able to use us, not just when we feel spiritually strong. I don't know if you've ever been at the place in your Christian walk where you feel exhausted, maybe where you feel like you have nothing to offer, maybe where you feel like, God, how could you use me? I found that at times, those are the times God does most heartily use us. Because the principle of Scripture is always God's strength in the midst of our weakness. The important thing is have a confidence. If you have trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, have 
a confidence in what Christ has done. Have a confidence that you can rest before God. You know, part of my, I guess part of my growing up spiritually, I came from a, a part of the, my kind of background was that almost to have a confidence in God was seen as spiritually arrogant. And, you know, it's a good thing. You know, the, the, the Bible does speak about let us fear and let us work out our salvation with fear and trembling. But also, the Bible is clear that we can be confident in what God has done. And I think it's really important that in an age which idolizes doubt, that we learn to be confident in what Jesus has done. We learn to be confident that if God has saved us, if we have been made new, then even when we mess up, we can be confident in who God is and what he has done. In the times when you don't feel right with God, be confident. Be confident that there is grace and mercy if we confess our sins. You know, we walk a, a strange journey at times, don't we? between the truth of what God has done, through all that we will be, through what God has said we are, but also with the reality that we often live between those two things. And in some senses, we need to get our ducks in a row on this one. We have to realize that we live in the interplay between facts. We have to base our lives on the fact of what Christ has done that if we have placed our trust in him, we have been made new and born again. We have to deal with the fact of our feelings. And when we feel that we are unworthy, in one sense, we have to trust that God's grace is big enough. How do we reconcile those two things? Simply through faith. That when facts and feelings tell us different things, we have to realize that we stand right before God simply through faith in Jesus. Hebrews 4 says this, verse 15, We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Friends, when we mess up, when we find it difficult, understand we have a high priest who is able to empathize, to sympathize with our weaknesses. And we find grace and mercy in our time of need. If we try to live a Christian life simply based on willpower or good deeds, we'll never make it. We need God's grace. And we need to know that when we fail, there is room to come back to him. There is room. You know, so many times I find Christians just live with a general sense of condemnation. I don't know if you've ever met people like that. They just, they just always feel condemned. And friends, again, conviction is a great thing. Because it's God's goodness that leads us to repentance. It's goodness that he convicts us of our sin. But he wants to free us from living under condemnation. 
And it's so important that we are able to distinguish. Don't fall for the enemy's trick of trying to get you to live in condemnation. We can have confidence and rest in who God is. It's really interesting, though. He goes from that to confidence in prayer. Verse 21, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Have you ever thought about that? Confidence in God, confidence in our standing before God leads to a confidence in prayer. It makes sense, doesn't it? If you're confident in somebody, you're confident in their relationship, your relationship with them, then you're confident that they might help you if you need it. I think Katie was talking earlier about kids and how they are with their parents. They, they have a confidence that mum and dad want to bless them. They have a confidence that mum and dad want what's good for them. And they know that they're in a privileged position. You know, if I randomly walked up to someone in this congregation and asked for snacks or whatever, I may or may not get them. But the thing is, when their kids do, they have a privileged position. They know that mum and dad love them and provide for them, and they boldly and confidently go raid the rucksack and take out the snacks. Well, hopefully they ask. Because of the position that they have. And if we understand the confidence we can have in God, we'll have a confidence in prayer. We can have a confidence. I think sometimes when we don't understand what it is to rest in God, to be secure in our relationship with Him, we don't come to Him in a place of prayer that's one of faith and expectation. Because really we don't feel at rest in Him. This passage talks about keeping His commands and doing what pleases Him. Our prayer life comes from relationship with God the Father. It's not separate to. If we work out our relationship with God the Father, then we'll work out a strong sense of confidence in prayer. As obedient children, we'll ask for the things that God wants from us. And this is really important. If we are obedient children, we have an expectation of God's answering our prayer. Not on the basis of works. So it, it's not transactional that if I'm good, God has to answer my prayer. Or if I, if I do my quiet time, God's thinking, I wasn't going to answer that prayer, but you know, he's done his devotionals twice today. You know, I've got to, I just can't. No, no, it's not about that, but it's coming from a place of relationship. It's coming from knowing who God is. And out of that place of relationship, we have confidence in prayer. You know, when I read this passage, I'm very struck that John had a confidence in this fact. Because if we look at this passage, it pretty much echoes what Jesus taught his disciples. When, John had, when Jesus had said to them in John 14, 12, and 13, that he would, if they ask anything in his name, that he would do it. And now, years and years later, John is basically saying the same thing to them. 
out of our relationship with God, out of security in who he is, out of knowing him, you can have a confidence in prayer. Not a confidence that God has to do what we want. Again, the context is, uh, is about asking in the will of God. So 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever he asks, we know that we have what we ask of him. If we ask anything according to his will, in John's gospel, the thing is about God's will and in the name of Jesus. It's about his reputation. It's about his authority. It's about who he is, not what we want. So confidence in God leads to a confidence in prayer that we can pray in faith because we know God. We pray from a place of rest, not uncertainty. When things are difficult, when life seems tough, let's not pray out of a sense of anxiousness. In fact, Philippians warns us not to be anxious. What does it say? But in everything, with thanksgiving in your heart, make your requests known to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We don't need to come to God in anxiousness, but in rest. And that begins with knowing that I'm accepted by God. I'm accepted by God, and I can have rest in Him even though I'm not perfect. And for some of us, those perfectionists out there, let God take that heavy burden off you. That even when you are not perfect, you can approach Him confidently because what Jesus has done, and we can pray with a sense of confidence because of our relationship with Him, because we know Him. We know what He wants. The more we know God, the more we know his will, the more we pray in faith. But it comes from being confident in our relationship with God. Not self-confidence, but confidence in what God has done. If we see this, it, that love, this sense of knowing God's love and showing it to others, gives us a confidence that we are in him and he is in us. So verse 23 says, uh, 23 and 24 says, And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's command lives in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. This place of confidence in God, this place of confidence in prayer comes from obeying the commandments of Jesus. And, and here the, it's rounded down to something very specific, which is to believe in Jesus and then to love others. To believe in Jesus and to love one another. Notice that believing comes first. Our relationship with God is never based on works. We can be the most self-sacrificial person and yet be far from God. Our relationship with God is always through believing in what Jesus has done. To believe in him. This phrase is used here is believe in his name. 
It's quite an interesting way of phrasing it. It has the implication of believing in everything about his nature, his character, his reputation. You know, we talk about this person has a good name. It doesn't mean, oh, John, that's a nice name. I like the J, the way it's spelled. No, no. It means that they have a good name. They have a reputation. They are thought well of. And as we believe in the name of Jesus, we have a confidence, not just in the name of Jesus as a name, but in who he is, in what he's done, in his faithfulness. Psalm 124 verse 8 says, Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of of heaven. Again, it's, you know, we, we sang earlier, didn't we? La, Yahweh, Yahweh, love to sing your name. The confidence is in the character of the name. It's in God's name and his character, which reflects, his name reflects his character. It is proven. Our faith and standing before God are simply on the, uh, are standing and rest before God are simply on the basis of faith. That always is the first part. It's because we believe in his son, Jesus. It's really interesting. In John 6, verse 28, we read, Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. The context to that is the feeding of the 5,000. And what this interesting question gets to the heart of this, it's works versus grace. They ask God, they ask Jesus, what do we have to do? What are the works that we have to do? And Jesus responded, is that they need to believe. They need to believe. Friends, we are not made right with God through doing good deeds. And our walk with him is not just sustained by doing good deeds but it is through faith and confidence in what he has done what's our response to Jesus I want to ask you have you ever truly put your trust in Jesus what are you trusting in you see God isn't offering you the chance to improve your life with a bit of religion he's not offering you your best life now He's not offering you just the chance to add a bit of Jesus onto what's already an okay life. Jesus offers us life. Because the truth is, whether we're the most important person in the world or whether we think we're the least important, without Jesus, we are spiritually dead. And friends, that's maybe offensive, but without Christ, you are dead in your sin. Jesus doesn't want to add to, enhance, you know, or supplement your life. He came to give you life, life in abundance, life in all its fullness. And friends, we have to understand without believing in Jesus, we are spiritually dead. I can't soft soap it. You can't put lipstick on the pig. It's not going to get any better. Without Christ, you are dead. And it's only through faith in him that we can be made alive. For that requires a response. To have a confidence in God. To know that we can rest in him. To know that as we pray, he answers our prayer. It begins with faith. Do we believe in Jesus? Please don't walk out of here today saying, I know about Jesus. 
Please don't walk out of here saying, I'm hoping that my good deeds will be enough. Unless you have placed your trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, realizing that for the guilt of all of the things we do, do wrong, Jesus died. And on the cross, God put the punishment of our sin. Everything you and I have done wrong now or will ever do, God put the punishment of that onto Jesus. So that if we put our trust in him, then we can be made new. That sense of making Jesus the Lord, the boss of our life. Trusting that my good deeds are not enough. Do you know, I wish I could say to you, if you are just a good enough person, you'll get to heaven. But you know, good people don't make it to heaven. Good people don't go to heaven. But those who place their trust in Jesus do. You know, the qualification is not our goodness, but it's realizing that our goodness is never enough. And it's only through faith in Jesus. The work, the obedience that Christ requires is that we believe in his, God requires that we believe in his son Jesus and that we love one another. These aren't two commandments. They're not two commandments. They're one that has an implication. If we believe in Jesus, we love our brother and sister. I don't think there's any other way to live as a Christian other than to be inspired by and to have a basic instinct towards love. When we know and understand what Jesus has done for us, we become people who love others. And I really want to encourage you today. The fact that you know Jesus, let that inspire you to love others. Let that well up into love for others. Let let the love that God has put in your heart radiate out. You see, as we come to Christ in faith and realize we are loved by a holy God, we cannot help but love others. You know, those two things aren't designed to be split up. It's like cake and custard. Like, you can't eat cake without custard, or maybe if you've got a mug of tea, but it's wrong. It's wrong. Stop it. Stop it. It needs custard or tea. Don't split it up. And believing in Jesus and loving people is the same thing. They go together. If we believe in Jesus, then you love people. All of this, this confidence before God, this sense of answered prayer, this confidence in prayer, this sense of believing in Christ, what's the assurance we have? is that he lives in us and we in him. We have confidence in God because we live together. We live together. There is a confidence that comes because of who Jesus is, because we know that he lives in us through faith. The inevitable conclusion, why am I confident in my relationship with God? Because I know that he lives in me. I have the witness that my faith in Christ is bigger than my feelings. My faith in Christ is bigger than my failings. It's a beautiful thing. I know that his grace is bigger than my doubts and my sin. 
I see in my life that the active expression of love in my heart isn't me, but it's a result of Christ's work in me. That gives me confidence before God because I know that this isn't just me loving people. This is Christ in me. And I have the witness that the Holy Spirit lives in me. The Spirit of God living in you as a Christian shows us. It's proof. It's a seal, deposit. It's a guarantee. We are stamped, marked, sealed with the Holy Spirit. We belong to Him. And friends, I want to encourage you, find rest in God. Don't find rest in discomfort. Don't find rest in other things. Find rest in God. Be confident in Him. We can be sure of Him. I want to close by telling you a story I read about when I was um, preparing this sermon. It's an interesting story. It's a story of the Titanic. And of a, a Baptist pastor called John Harper. He was on the Titanic. And when it became clear that the Titanic was heading to the bottom of the ocean, he was helping people into lifeboats. He was a, a man who had a confidence in the work of Christ. And he was running around on the decks shouting about the lifeboats, women, children, and unsaved to the lifeboats. You see, he knew he was confident in Christ, and he helped others into these lifeboats. And uh, when the ship went into the water, we've all seen Titanic probably, the bit where the ship bends and everyone goes and tosses into the cold water. And he had a life jacket on. And in the water, this guy was swimming around people, leading them to Christ. And he was swimming around to people in the last moments of their life, and he was telling them to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And he came to one guy who was clinging to a piece of wood. You know like that Leonardo DiCaprio scene? when he, Yeah, he found this one guy that was clinging to this piece of wood. And he said, will you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? You may well die tonight. Will you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Will you trust in him? And this guy said, no. And he was so broken by it, he took off his life jacket and gave it to this guy. And said, you need this more than I do. And he, he then went and swam off to someone else and was trying to tell them about Jesus. And as he swam back, this guy called him over. And said, I want to put my, life, my trust in Jesus. Because he had seen a faith that is real. He had seen a faith that was born out in love. He'd seen a faith that impacted this guy enough to be able to give up maybe his last hope of life because his faith in Jesus was real. He had a confidence in God. Now, it's a great story. It's true, apparently. The guy who became a Christian that day survived it. The Baptist pastor died in the water. But years later, this guy gave testimony. This is how he came to Christ, because he saw a man who had confidence in God and loved others. And friends, the point of having a confidence in God isn't just so we stay in the holy huddle. The confidence in God, the assurance of prayer, the rest we have in Him should and needs to lead us to want to show sacrificial love to others and lead others to that place of confidence in Him. So I want to encourage you. 
if you struggle with a guilty conscience, if you know there's things you're doing wrong, ask Jesus to forgive you. If you struggle with a sense of general condemnation, remember the completed work of Christ is enough. It is sufficient. He's done it all. If you've never trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, don't walk out of here today and just leave it that way. Walk out of here knowing that you can be confident that eternal life starts now. Jesus said, I've come to give you life eternal, life abundant, life in all its fullness. Not just a place in heaven when you die, but the assurance of his spirit inside of you. Christian, know that the Holy Spirit shows that you are, a, you are sons and daughters of God. You're sealed with the Spirit. You're marked as belonging to him. And if that is the case, what a wonderful thing we get to make invitation to, to invite others to know the God that we have come to have.